Hello and welcome to Sequels and Reboots. I am your host, Peter Flynn. And I am your other host, Adam Brody. I've got nothing to say to you this time. You you, no? you let it go too nicely. Oh, you, thank you. Uh, yeah, almost I, I didn't, uncharacteristically. I didn't use your, your double-barreled name or anything. No. Uh, that's how I like it. Didn't draw attention to your like raging poshness. <laughs> oh no, that's fair. No, no, no. It, th- that's just the thing about double-barreled names. People think oh, they're posh. Oh, right, right, right. Actually, I was about to say you calling me out for raging poshness. Oh yeah, no. I I get away with it because my parents decided not to double-barreled name me. Yeah, that's uh, that's how you how you slip the radar. Yeah, until I open my mouth. I still, <laughs> I, I still, I don't know. Like one of my weirdest moments of like class consciousness was when I was like helping out uh, on a music video uh, for a friend's uh, production company. Um, and it was like it was a rap music video with a couple of I, I'm pretty oh, sure South London. Guys. I know what this is. Yeah, and I think I was probably looking just kind of like grody that day. Like I I got up early. I don't think I'd shaved. My hair was like really messy and and um, flopping all over the place. But that's like kind of usual. And uh, like these two guys, like they'd seen me been running around the place, like doing standard runner stuff, getting chocolates or whatever. But they hadn't heard me speak yet. Oh no! And I just remember this one point where like um the uh, the first time we just all were standing around like waiting for a shoot and i just like vo- and like i just spoke i was like oh yeah no it's really good it's really good oh bad just, and you did not say bad you did not say bad <laughs> no okay no, I good didn't. you may and, as well as your point <laughs> well yeah because I, I have the accent of bats <laughs> even if i don't ever say it and and they both just turned and looked at me and then <laughs> one of them said I did not expect that voice. Oh, I, I, all right. I'm yeah. glad that that story went how you said it did, because I was afraid that they were gonna come up to you and talk in their South London speak and think you were one of them, and you were gonna make some <laughs> horrific inbetweeners esque attempts at, <laughs> at, at like, at, at shedding your middle classness. No, my no, favorite, no, my favorite no. is not really related to middle classness, but your, uh, your, your kind of neurotic inhibition. The, the, my favorite manifestation of that is when we're on the ferry back from France and I accidentally turned on the entire ship's jukebox that was that was linked to the entire ship's speaker system. And as this bit began to play, you just held your hair and went, oh, God, no. <laughs> just the idea that people could enjoy music I'd chosen. Oh, you know what, Pete? This is actually a really good segue. Why um, is that? Because uh, today I will be talking about my potential sequel to a film that's actually about neurotic inhibition. <laughs> Are you saying the mask is about you? No, well, I'm <laughs> saying the mask is about in. I, I'm saying the mask is about uh, inhibition. Yeah, I'm talking about the mask. I hope. I hope boy. Th- yeah, I hope that's uh, that's the theme you've isolated. But what this makes no sense. What do we do here, Brody? Ah, so what we do is actually I think we need to explain this like a bit more thoroughly really? because we're because we've already taken it to a bit of a complicated. Yeah, we've place. been receiving a lot of questions. Um, well, I have <laughs> <laughs> by by friends and family going what? Um, so okay, so we are we are sequels and reboots. We come up with uh, sequels and reboots and remakes to films that Hollywood has yet to get to. In a sort of attempt to like get ahead of the game <laughs> and just like 
be the ones holding all the IPs. I love so the idea that I'm about to make Gremlins 3 and I'm considered the head of the game. <laughs> but go on, I go mean, on. I mean, you are. I mean, you are. Like, I... I I did check beforehand, and like Gremlins Three is one of those movies that's just uh, it's being constantly teased but never like um, around. Yeah, yeah, never released. Uh, but it's a bit in. But I think it's also important to note, uh, particularly for this one, that uh, sometimes what we like to do here is we like to uh, write certain existing sequels or just entire movie franchises out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> so what Pete challenged me to do last uh, last episode was to come up with a sequel for The Mask, right? Uh, for a universe where The Mask Two does not exist. And oh, uh, right. There, there I mean, that's not. It, I mean, thing is, Son of the Mask is not really considered Mask Two, exactly. I, I, I think if you well, made it, like if you if someone made it now, people would say, "Oh, The Mask Two. No, there's. <laughs> There's no universe-obsessed fanboys going, ah, if you look back at Son of the Mask and consider the continuity. I, 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 okay, like, I will put this out to you, though. I think the, I think the just, I think the, uh, accepted definition of what a sequel is, is, can you imagine, uh, some fucking dillweed, uh, if there was another Mask movie re- released today coming out of the woodwork and being like, oh, well, I think you see that this breaks canon because <laughs> in The Mask 2, uh, he had a baby and it was a mask. Um, it was a mask. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a, what, a, what a shit deal. Sorry, I just imagine a, a woman giving birth and it t- just an actual mask came out. <laughs> awful, awful. Do carry oh, and on. Then it atta- and then it attaches itself to her face, oh. and then like she's got a baby mask face. That'd be weird. That that's a that's another <laughs> that's another sequel. But anyway, yeah. So like, uh, we've erased the mask to uh, Son of the Mask. It doesn't exist. And I've come up, and you tell me it was coming up to make a sequel of uh, the of mask. Of the mask, and we and we did rewatch the mask, and were both reasonably impressed. Yeah, as how we, we how it like holds up. Yeah, we we were sort of, um, occasionally this will happen when you watch a movie and you go, huh, that was actually a good movie. Um, That's got a rep for a reason. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was like pleasantly surprised by certain aspects of The Mask. Like, for example, it has, uh, I, I actually, I think the thing that imp- impressed me a little bit is that it, um, it's an, it does a little nice subversion of the whole Madonna whore thing. Um, where the like the leggy blonde actually does turn out to be you know a good guy and the sort of like the brown haired girl that slightly nerdier brown haired girl is a bit of a dick that's a good point actually Um, we were caught off guard by that betrayal yeah i was like cool all right mask i think Uh, i think the reason i i pitched the mask to you or at least what also intrigues me most on a rewatch is just how overtly lightning in a bottle that film is just how like like the second that Jim Carrey puts on that mask and goes all green and starts spinning around and making these jokes and like zipping off screen, I was like, this would not be funny with anyone else. Like if you if you imagined any other actor doing that exact thing, you'd just be confused. Yeah, I I think there is a universe where Nicolas Cage is the mask. Oh my and god, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> and and there is. 
there is something very I don't I don't know if it would work, but I do know I would watch it. I can't imagine it's, him all like in green makeup though. I really can't picture that. I could just really? picture him but green. He oh yeah yeah like he wouldn't be like he wouldn't they yeah he wouldn't allow them to put a, uh, a special effects head on him or anything. He would just they would just paint him green, <laughs> <laughs> and then he just be somebody stop me oh. and then running around the place. But yeah, so like, I think the the conclusion we both came to while watching the mask. Okay, so like, okay, so Jim Carrey's performance is just integral, phenomenal. Yeah, um, which is a bit bad because like my, because my my the first idea for the sequel does not is that it does not necessarily involve Jim Carrey. Nice, so nice. I may be I, I may be off to a bad making start. it hard for yourself. I like. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, he was upstaged by that dog. We were consistent <laughs> consistently impressed by. <laughs> That dog just going all out and just like pushing the bar, even after it the became a mask. There's no, the, the there's no terminology to talk about this film. The the most um, like like one of the best trained dogs in all of cinema. We but we uh, we decided mm. <laughs> was that dog. My God, I, it it's really well. What what does it do? It does like a it does like a secret. It steals a key from a poli- from a sleeping policeman. Oh yeah, and it, and it manages Something to like, like dangle on shit. It bites people without actually hurting them and just like gripping stuff with its mouth. Yeah, man. Is there like I don't know? Is is there like an equivalent? So you know how Hong Kong has just this massive stable of, ha- for like this period of time, but a massive stable of just amazing martial artists. There's just a big house w- of dogs. Yeah, because, like, dog movies were a massive thing in the 90s. What? And do you think it's just because, like, Hollywood had just a crop of really talented <laughs> dogs? <laughs> they stole them up. I'd like the, I like the idea that uh, acting makes a dog live longer, so they do get to be in more films. Like, <laughs> so the one in the mask was so good, it lived, like, an extra 15 years and was in The Artist. Aww. I mean, it doesn't look like the same dog, but... Uh, I mean, some people get upset at the, even the thought of uh, a dog dying, but the one in the mask is definitely dead. <laughs> I, I would absolutely, I, like, that's a fucking film in and of itself, is um, the dog, like, uh, as, as sort of a dog actor story. That, that's, a, that's a good one. Anyway, um, I'm not here to talk about dogs. I'm here to talk about The Mask. Yeah. Um, so, where I'm going... So, w- during the film, we were sort of talking about The Mask and how... Um, we were really just like captivated by the idea of um, a lot of different directors like taking over. Ah, uh, right, right, right. So when I mentioned like I Matthew Vaughn and stuff, yeah. So like you mentioned Matthew Vaughn, I mentioned um, oh the French dude, Luc Besson. I mentioned Luc Besson, <laughs> uh, the, the <laughs> one French director, <laughs> the on- the only French, as far as American cinema is concerned. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, there are a lot of different, uh, and I think there are other directors as well who are like well known for color and pizzazz that they could, you know, Edgar Wright could probably do a really interesting oh mask God. movie. I think. Um, so, like, uh, so part of that. So we did sort of throw around the idea of an anthology movie. Yeah. Uh, so I took that and I was thinking about it. This is interesting because usually we. Uh we talk about who we'd cast in these movies, but mm. not uh, not that up 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 the production ladder. Like actually yeah. getting directors on board. Hmm. 
Well, like, I think it's just because like the mask is. Um, look, okay, so we so we all know that Jim Carrey is the perfect mask. Um, so anyone doing like a mask is probably going to be under end up doing some sort of Jim well, Carrey like. Imitation. We were trying to say but, like but who could pull it off now, and this is this is the hardest thing for it yeah. in, in my opinion. Like uh, for what Andy Samberg or something. No. Get out. But then, Dummy. even then, that's the, like the best I can do. Really, for like a modern day crazy person, I bet Dane DeHaan could do a better job. Uh, yeah, but Dane DeHaan couldn't can't do funny crazy, or at least not intentionally. Mm. I don't think. It's it's a it's a bit irritating. Like like the crop of like crazy scenery chewing actors I can think of are all quite old by this Peter point. Peter Stormare. Really, I mean, oh yeah, I mean Peter Stormare, <laughs> Will Gary Oldman, Willem Dafoe's mask. <laughs> <laughs> William Dafoe, you would just need to, you would only need to paint green. He would, he would be very, uh, he'd be a very cost-effective mask. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd put all the weird, C- you'd put all the CGI and prosthetics on him and make him look more regular. Yeah. Do you think Aziz Ansari could do it as a mask? Mm. Duh. He's not like very physical. I mean, he's zi- but... he's zippy and loud, but yeah, it's that physicality that might not be there. And there's a bit too much like. I don't know. Like this is what's o- this might be what's odd because I think that comedy, it, broadly speaking, has made a transition since the '90s into it's very personally driven and a very very much about a person, mm. at least in a in a stand-up context, on stage reflecting themselves, um, opening themselves up and revealing how funny that is. Like you know, like how self-deprecation is more popular, or like kind of the the comedic adventures of of examining oneself are like more popular mm-hmm. and whereas in the 90s in jim carrey's time it was still a little bit closer to this kind of like smash bang boop boop like put on a big show put on a very clear uh, mask if you will that uh that the audience knows is very staged but still finds it funny that might be a root of of why this is hard to cast it but it's also um I, I think that's true. Um, and, like, there is an argument that maybe the reason we've uh, focused on directors is because, like, the unhinged, like, the unhinged quality of cinema has maybe moved back from the performer into the... Uh, into the form? I- in- into the director. Right. Um, it behind the scenes. into It's like we talk about how crazy certain directors are. Like, we talk about... I mean, Neville Dean and Taylor could do an amazing mask movie. <laughs> um, I gotta rewatch *Spirit of Vengeance*. <laughs> um, God, can you imagine Neville Dean Taylor, uh, 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 Nicolas Cage mask movie? That would be the, the, actually that's a good point though, because the way the way that, that would be quite interesting. The way that Ghost Rider moves in that movie, for example, is a little bit similar to what the premise of the mask is, where he just defy, he just kind of defines every factor around him if that makes sense like in, in that movie there's like a big explosion and then ghost rider rider's just like four feet above the ground lying on his back rotating like a like a like a like a video game choose your character screen and it just confuses the bad guys and that sort of just like breaking logic sort of thing definitely plays into mm-hmm. the mask like 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 that's what jim carrey does in in the movie all the time that that bit where he just like Oh, these guys want to shoot me. What shall I do? Oh, I guess I'll just pretend to be. <laughs> I'll just pretend to be an Oscar-winning tearjerker performance <laughs> while I'm like lying in this guy's arms. Yeah. Like, like I think his main his main weapon is like bafflement. 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'd love to or see. It's, or it's, I mean, like, the thing about Jim... I mean, the interesting thing about the mask, actually, is how it's also, like, how psychologically coherent it is. Yeah. In, t- in terms of how, like, the reason that Jim Carrey's mask manifests in the sort of cartoonish Looney Tunes way it does is because, like, that's, like, the dominant um, cultural, like, touchstone for Jim, for Jim Carrey's character. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of sad. Like, it, it's just really interesting. I mean, it's um, sad now. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I feel like it was pretty sad during the 1990s as well. Al- also, um, like, it's how it's, like, through Looney Tunes that, like, like, like Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey's character, I think, is on a uh, 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 record as, like, using, envisioning overt sexuality through the framing of Looney Tunes. Sexuality. So oh, like, just in terms of this, like, kind of, this weird like, charismatic ca- force that the mask is. Or, or rather, no, like, just how the mask is sexual is that he is sexual like a Lo- like mm-hmm. Looney Tunes characters. So, like, when he's, like, watching... Um, Cameron Diaz? Uh, watching, yeah, when he's watching Cameron Diaz perform, like, he's doing the Tex Avery wolf yeah. whistle routine. Like, when he's, um, like, when he's, like, trying to uh, woo her in the park, yeah. he's doing a Pepe Le Pew. Which like is, it, yeah, which is not okay, guys. If you're gonna, if you want to woo someone, make sure your, you're your not, head uh, can turn into a wolf first. <laughs> There's no appeal if it's on a human, all right? <laughs> Just check for, like, a big tongue that will fl- flop out that's, like, very heavy and will hit the table and roll out like a carpet. If you can do that first, then, yeah, you can leer at someone a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> imagine actually trying to imagine can... trying to do that in real life just with a regular human tongue like just show how into, you just kind of like flop it out and just because it won't hit the table itself you just whack it on the side of it <laughs> I'm sorry how much I appreciate you your body it's incredible <laughs> sorry go on I with your sequel <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just imagining like a row of builders like watching a woman go past, and then they're just like their jaws just falling to street level. Oh, oh, ah! <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then just like then having this, oh, oh, oh our jaws, <laughs> our poor jaws. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so what I was thinking, so like we were talking about anthologies, but then I thought mm, anthologies, sort of lame. Yeah, they suck. Yeah, I never <laughs> want to watch an. I never want to watch an anthology movie. I it's one of those things. Just like, ugh, no, it doesn't appeal. So, um, uh, what I th- what I like instead is sort of like a uh, imp- what if the m- like putting the mask into a trick or trick or treat structured movie. Do you, do you know what the kind of thing I mean? Um, like a like a split into three sort of thing. Yeah, but like the cool thing about Trick or Treat is that the three stories are taking place within a single space. Where does that th- th- that phrase come from? Well, it from Trick or what well, Trick or Treat? Yeah, as a phrase um, from Halloween. I don't, I don't you know. You said Trick or Treat. Yeah, so Trick or Treat is like the name of the movie. So it's uh, I mean it's the word trick, the letter R, and then the word treat, and that's the name of. The movie, but who, which who who coined it? Oh, it's the name of a movie. Oh God, I'm yeah. I've made an idiot of myself. Right, <laughs> right. no, to gotta edit this, dummy. <laughs> okay. 
edit this out. All right, do a clap. <laughs> no, okay, so like Trick or Treat, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a Halloween movie about an evil about an evil child that like wreaks ha- Halloween mischief. It's like uh, it's super like properly spooky Halloween movie. It's like right on that like edge of between goofiness and ho- between goofiness and fright and frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, that like constitutes what Halloween is. It's like a super good movie. But like the cool thing about it is that it's three distinct stories. Uh, that occur within the same town and are li- and are interrelated to a certain degree. And it's all about sort of uh, anyway. You don't need to know what the movie's about. But like I like that structure of sort of telling separate stories within a uniting place right um you could you could say that there's like a similarity with how um uh uh, uh, do the right thing is um like geographically linked rather than uh, temporally and thematically yeah yeah though i would say that uh, i would do the mask as sort of thematically linked as well because okay so the cool thing about the mask is that it's a film about uh inhibition yeah and it's about like what ha- the, like the question it poses is what if you could in like strip away a core inhibition of your character in a way that is like i mean it's not consequence free but like okay so it's not like personally consequent it's not necessarily um like consequential well it's almost like you gi- you give up a certain degree of your t- autonomous responsibility it's al- it's almost yeah. being on like very heavy drugs or something when you couldn't, it's like you couldn't really be held accountable. You, this poor part of your identity, cannot. Uh, or, or perhaps, well, no, because he does get held personally responsible because he gets like locked up and stuff. Yeah, but just because they don't understand it. Yeah, I, I think maybe it's more just like physically responsible. Like, yeah, as the it, mask, it's like he can just be like he can do anything and he's not going to get hurt or bothered or anything. Yeah. Um. So I actually thought that was a really cool idea and a means with which to just sort of... So, like, uh, what I would want to do is I'd want to start uh, create this sort of space, maybe like a, a city neighborhood um, in New York or London. I'd, uh, New York's probably, like, the best one because of the way neighborhoods are structured there. Is that, hang on, and what about Edge City? What about Edge oh City, yeah. Brody? What, what about Edge City? Yes, yeah, good point. Oh, uh, fine, it's still an Edge City. It's, it's Edge City, okay, city. good. Uh, okay. Um, I'm sold. And then you just like you you go through um, a bunch of different characters interacting with the mask and like having it unleash some of their inhibitions and just like and and I think and you can play around with it because the the thing with uh, sort of looking at the mask as a as a as a story about inhibition is that like releasing your inhibition like releasing inhibitions can be both a destructive can can be destructive mm. to you and your life but it can also like be positive do you know what's bizarre like, about the first mask is that i actually think the bad guy benefits more internally and personally from the mask than jim jim carrey does why well you look at the bad guy and he's he's like he's let go of his inhibitions in a way that's actually kind of mentally healthy for him Oh yeah, totally. He's able to just like say, like stand up to his boss and take what he wants, and like it all involves crime, yeah. But it's not mm-hmm. exactly like unhealthy behavior for his own psyche. Yeah, like, exactly. He, he's just I mean, like a new self. He's he's brilliant. 
Could you yeah, imagine, could you mean, imagine just that one of your characters should be a therapist who just <laughs> prescribes the mask? <laughs> patient. I mean, I, I was going to go with... Um, so, like, I, I, I was sort of uh, thinking about, like... Uh, basically, I, I wanted to just sort of uh, throw out some ideas about, like, what characters um, you could, like, interestingly... Um, who could have interesting inhibitions that the mask could fuck with, right. basically. Um, and, like, the part of the fun of it I, is I'm seeing it pass around different characters. Mm. And, like, seeing what different things, the, you, uh, different, like, types of person you become, like, when you're wearing the mask. Uh, so the one I, the, the one that actually I really connect with and I would really like to see is, uh, I in my head, uh, it's a female character, but I don't know, it could be male. Um, so it's, like, a fitness instructor um, <laughs> like a personal trainer like a per like a personal <laughs> trainer right that's already good <laughs> who lives like a really regimented life but particularly in their diet but who like you know maybe they were like a fat kid when they were when they were right little. um like and they they have dreams about they have dreams about like eating <laughs> things and like Okay. Like they're constantly just like, oh no, I've got to, I've got to ha only have like a grapefruit for <coughs> dinner, uh, for, for for lunch, and 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 but they what they really want is that donut that they're like they're, the opening scene on them is that they're just staring at someone as they eat the most okay. deliciously squidgy donut. It's like like dreamy, dreamy, hazy shots of fast food. Just like, oh, so I bet that tastes good. Something like that, and like the mask, basically, and they put on the mask. And then they just become like this gluttonous um, frenzy, right? Like I think the first thing they do is like they put on the mask and like they just break down a, they just break down a, a, a like into a cake. They just break into a cake. Into shop. a cake shop. I assume in the middle of the night and just eat all yeah. the night cakes. Yep. <laughs> and, and eat all the night cakes. And there's just like a there's like a wave of food based. Theft is this and crime. is this fun to watch or is it sad? Because it almost sounds I sad. I think I I think it's I think it's like fun to watch at the start, <laughs> but, it go, after, but it goes after a five minute sequence of mushing cakes into some into a green mouth. Uh, well, I don't know. It could be just like uh, you know, he's te like they're telling, j uh, she's just telling jokes as she like whirlwinds around a shop. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was gonna say, is like the mask happy about this? Oh yeah, totally. The mask is like glory. No, because they, that's the whole point. Like it's joy. The, the mask is like a joy and like a loss of inhibition. So the mask is just whirlwinding around this cake shop and <laughs> or like like they like the mask could be doing like I don't know uh like a, a bunch of classic like food jokes. Like it could make a Scooby Doo sandwich. Like all of that kind of uh, stuff. Right? <laughs> nice. Um, uh, it's you know they they. Fry a chicken with like flame breath, and it's like it makes like a perfect char grilled chicken. Yep. Like, anyway, so all of that stuff. And basically, what I want to go with is that like all of this is completely non -cons non physically consequential for the trainer. Like she wakes up the next morning and she's fine. Like she's oh, not, like, okay. Gained like a billion pounds, but like, but like her job is still based on being like super trim and skinny. Right. And, but, like, putting on the mask is, like, breaking down her willpower. Uh, so what, so she starts she's to doubt, kind of, like... No, 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 like, she's just not being, like, she doesn't have, like, the capacity to, like, deny herself. Right, okay. Like, she, like her capacity to her deny herself is being broken down. Even though there's no, it's not physically, immediately physically consequential, like, it's just, like, 
her self-imposed inhibitions are being destroyed by like the indulgence as through the mask. Mm-hmm. So like she just has to like keep wet like you know. So I, I'm imagining I'm envisioning scenes where she's having to um, where she's like seeing a donut <laughs> and just being like. I don't know why I'm so fixated on donuts. I think donut. donuts are my. I think donuts are like my indulgence. Food. Really, like I feel. I really. I oh never yeah. really enjoyed a donut. It's not that I enjoy them. It's that they're just like, it's like a lump of sugar-coated batter, which like. You think you'll enjoy sho- them, and you like eat them. Creamy. Like, uh, it's a perfect example. Yeah, it's exactly that kind. Of, it's it's like. S- when I think of indulgence, I think of like a pastry stuffed full of something that like squidges or oozes oh, out. That's you just know? Like, stressful that's for me. <laughs> um, yeah so like and I think there may be times where there, there's like points where she sees something like she just desperately wants to eat and instead of being able to like pass it by um, like she has to put on the mask because uh, otherwise like she can't deal with it Right. but like because of this she, like she's starting to miss appointments and all this kind of thing but like isn't anyone just like hang on is, is she putting on the mask just in broad daylight just at lunchtime yeah like yeah I, I th- or, or it's like or it's like running into a toilet in order to put on the mask or like that kind of <laughs> thing and it's just becoming a thing it, it just gets to a point where she can't um and i think in the, i think also i'd need to break mask canon and be like okay you can wear the mask in the daytime because that like time oh uh, yeah sensitivity is a bit bollocks right like maybe you can only wear th- wear the mask for a certain amount of time or something. I I don't know, but like it's. I have the same problem with gremlins. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Anyway, so I'll, I'll I'll I should start winding up. Uh, but like, but basically, yeah. So like, I she 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 goes from this spiral where where she's having to which in she's going from like using the mask for a bit of fun to like she's having to put on the mask because like she doesn't want to like ruin herself, but she can't stop like she just she's just desperate and i think it but i also think i envision it sort of going eventually to a place where like she can't like um she where where she gets to a place where eventually like she can't um there's no resolve left or or, or a point where she's there she has no resolve yes and the mask isn't within arm's reach oh okay hands reach and so she like gives in, and like I don't know, someone walks in on her with just fucking cake all around her face. <laughs> so this is very like not very high stakes <laughs> sequel. Yeah, but like okay, but this is just part of the sequel, okay. right? And, and does she does she throw away the mask eventually, and it'll somehow find its hands into like the garbage man yeah. or something? Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of thing. I just want each of these characters to like throw away the mask, but for different reasons. And I think for her, like the ultimate like realization is that you know i need to find something else to do like uh, and i think i think like the desire is sort of like i don't know maybe her sister maybe it's like her sister comes in and like they sit down and they have a talk (laughs) and and like you know maybe the final shot of her story is that she's like phoning a therapist and is like okay i I really want to just oh gee that's sad no well no is it i think that's like (laughs) and then the therapist prescribes her the mask (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's 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 that it's um, it's like a mo- it's like a ro- road to healthiness. Like the mask has sort of forced her to confront the fact that she was like, you know, she was imposing a miserable life on herself, right? And so she's like, oh, so they all learn something. 
Yeah, I think I think that can be a thing. But like, I think uh, for other people, it could be just like. For other people, it could just be that like completely self-destructive. So I had an idea for uh, one like a uh, a sort of uh, Aunt Petunia style sort of suburban as Aunt Petunia oh, from Harry Potter, as, as like pearl cup clutching, outraged. Yeah, suburban housewife who like is constantly nosy of like other people's stuff, and like she puts on the mask, and then she just like explodes into a massive like. Like in, she just like explodes into a th- uh, an envy monster basically and like she's just like running around like destroying other people's nice things <laughs> and like and like that eventually just like that um that breaks her uh, and that and like that like deservedly shatters her like because her because it's it, it it like shatters the the, the the sort of the facade of uh civility she's, yeah. she's had in her are you, are you gonna go through the other five sins no, no. So it almost I sounds like it's how you're breaking it down. Well, yeah. I mean, I I hadn't really come up with. I just, I just, I just thought really it's like, oh, you know, like what Ipkiss's thing, uh, uh, Jim Carrey's character is a lust monster, basically. So it's like, okay, mm. what do you? God, considering that, that he's there? a lust monster, it's incredible that movie is even tolerable. <laughs> like we, were, it's like, like we were saying, we were worried about some of the weird '90s politics that's going to rub off, rub off on it when we watch. And it's just like, oh, um, there was a little bit of like unwanted advancements, but it wasn't too gratuitous, which I think is a bit of a miracle. Yeah, I mean the way like Ipkiss and his banker friend talk that about guy. women is like atrocious, and like that guy is uh, uh, a fucking skis yeah. and shouldn't. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's okay. Like it's not a bad. I, I don't think I don't I don't feel like the mask is like destructively anti woke. I, d- I don't know <laughs> as in the nineties <laughs> oppressive. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think it's oppressive. I don't think I feel like it's an oppressive piece of cinema. So anyway, yeah, that's that's my pitch. Brody. My pitch is uh, uh, trick or treat, but the mask, and nice. we're doing a sort of like seven deadly sins style. Uh, the mask is being chucked from person to person, um, and then it finds its way back to its rightful original owner, which is that dog. No, which is Loki. <laughs> I don't Played know, again by Alan Cumming. Or maybe, I, I don't know, like, maybe it could be a really cool uh, op- ending that, um, like, all of the characters end up in therapy in some way or another, and then you just cut to, like, the end of the film, and it's just a therapist who... He's like, I've discovered uh, this this mask, let's... <laughs> no, 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 the therapist, like, picks up the mask and just, like, dusts it off and goes, ah, good job, more more patience you've brought me oh, today. Oh, okay. He he he's the one who like chucks the mask into a neighborhood because he just knows it'll like psychologically. It's funny, it's um, funny how that happens in films. How you can just chuck an object somewhere and a, f- and a fun and engaging story will happen. Like I'd like to see him just yeah. throwing it into the middle of the street and just watching it for the rest of the day. Like someone, uh, get up! <laughs> Everyone's like, no, it's just a piece of wood. Why wouldn't put? Why wouldn't someone put something that'd been on the street on their on their face? face. <laughs> this worked fine in Jim Carrey's <laughs> The Mask. Oh, and he looks at it and goes, oh, man, a rat, a rat wore it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> a rat wore it and never came back. <laughs> Brody, what would, what would happen if someone yeah. in the alien universe, um, mm-hmm. a facehugger jumped, on, jumped on their face and impregnated them with a xenomorph, but while it was, like, gestating, <laughs> someone put the mask on them and it burst out of the mask? 
would the xen- are you asking me like would like the baby xenomorph like become the mask? Would the xenomorph or? be green and be like somebody stop me? I mean, you know, I've uh, given you time to, to think this over and plan this, Brody. I'm frankly appalled you don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is, like, um, the Mask comic creators did a whole bunch of crossover comics with the Mask at the end of their, after they, uh, at the end of their original run. Mm-hmm. And including, like, the Mask and the Joker, apparently, which just sounds interesting. But like I would love, to, I would love to see an alien mask crossover comic. That sounds great. Like I was thought you were going to ask me, can you can a face hugger um, impregnate someone who is wearing the mask? Well, th- yeah, that's I the other one. I didn't know which one, which way round to get it. Because uh, I would say uh, yes, they can imp- impregnate. Yeah, good. Uh, but uh, when the face hugger, when the, when like the alien bursts out, uh, yes, it is the mask, but also the human doesn't die. So, because he's the mask, he can just, like, sew himself <laughs> I'd like up. it if uh, the alien does burst out, but it doesn't look like a facehugger. It just looks like another another Jim Carrey. <laughs> With the full, like, yellow zoot suit and everything. I, I quite like... And then the plot of the movie is just Jim Carrey versus Jim Carrey, and the fact that there are xenomorphs in this universe is just completely... <laughs> the xenomorphs are just confused. <laughs> they somehow managed to make, a, make that design, that alien design, look confused. And and then the re- yeah, and then the rest of the f- like he comes like, up, and it comes up to Jim Carrey and he's like, Bleh, and then like sticks his little extra mouth out, and Jim Carrey just pops like two googly eyes on it. <laughs> Not so scary now. Well, talking of scary, what did I watch? Well, we both watched this. We watched Gremlins too. Yeah, we did. Uh, in preparation for my task, and you seemed pretty taken aback by this film. Were you aware of what a weird break from the first it is? I, I I knew it was a a massive departure. Um, <laughs> what what I didn't expect was that um, a it has like actually a really like solid plot opening. Like all it it does really well to like est- and like establishing characters and like the plot. What do you, what do you mean like the this this big plaza building being built on top of that man's oriental trinket shop? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and like all of the, I think like the plot and the characters and the um and the space that they are in which all the action is going to take part in and like setting up the weird genetic stuff yeah. that's going to happen. Um, all of that stuff is actually handled really like well and efficiently, and then the movie just goes fucking off the rails, <laughs> and it, and I just it's like. It's like watching, um, like, a car, like, driving sedately. Yeah, not even doing the speed limit. Just, like, driving sedately. And then it just, like... Starts flying. Goes. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. And then it, it goes off a cliff. And then it just, like, starts flying. Yeah, it starts, like, flying. I mean, um, have you seen the Key and Peele sketch? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> um... So I feel like the point at which I at which the fi- at which I became I was just like thinking oh man I might have I might have done I might have not uh, uh, done Peter Solid here is when Hulk Hogan shows oh up. Oh my god! The, right, the degree of meta that that film that that film engages in, where you know the screen itself burns just in a completely unremarkable scene, not even like a big plot beat. It's just two characters chatting, and the yeah. the you know the the reel burns out. It all goes white, and then you start seeing... They don't even cut to that first. They just literally have the, the gremlins making shadow puppets. Uh, it, <laughs> like, 
oh, over the screen. I honestly wonder if any like avant-garde filmmakers watched that part and were like, mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it just gets so meta. And then it cuts to, no, what is it? They, they put on like this kind of slightly pervy volleyball documentary or something. It's something really weird. <laughs> and then they, they cut to these two, these like this woman, this woman and her child complaining that the gremlins have, have ruined gremlins too. <laughs> so the, wait, the gremlins exist in a Outside. world where oh no, no that that's that's to say nothing of that bit with Leonard Moulton where he's reviewing the first Gremlins and gets attacked by Gremlins for not liking the first Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> the intentional layers it creates outwardly is so straight. And then you know, yeah. And then and then Hulk Hogan is just the the icing on the cake. Yeah, he he threatens, he threatens the Gremlins, a, to put and apparently that works. Like. <laughs> Like in the in the main plot, they're doing all they can to stop these these fucking gremlins. But like, and then yeah, no Hulk Hogan just shouting at them. That's the trick. I I love that there's a whole long sequence in the in the video control room where they're taking the piss out of the concept that like the gremlins, um, if the gremlins eat after midnight, they become something like oh yeah, they start to <laughs> they start changing, and then the gremlins just come and murder them <laughs> after they. Coming up with all but these that's why it, it, it does kind of make fun of the first one. There's a bit where um, mm. the, the you know the bit in the first one where the girlfriend character does this big long speech about why she doesn't like Christmas, mm-hmm. and like yeah, it's really yeah. detailed. And she begins another monologue about like Lincoln Memorial Day, <laughs> and then they just go, I, you know, no, no. <laughs> That that bit actually made me sad because I quite like that turn in the original Gremlins. It's yeah. such a ridiculous uh, left turn into like sincerely macabre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's sadness. what's that's what's bizarre about Gremlins because um, it's always a little bit darker than you remember. Mm-hmm. Like they full on murder an old lady in the first one. They murder several people. Yeah. It's never exactly shown how, but um, they're such over pricks. Let's mm-hmm. say, um, this the second movie lessens that a little bit just by making them so stupid. But like, I think one of the reasons I maybe like the concept of Gremlins when I really shouldn't is that I know that I don't know if it was done now I would fucking it would just be minions all over again, wouldn't it? Or mm. or they'd have way more Mogwai stuff. I think that's what would happen if someone made Gremlins now. They'd be like, what are we doing? Turn them turning them into these gross lizard monsters so quick. Let's have like. 20 more gizmos and then we'll sell the gizmo thing and people will have gizmo on their memes and they'll have gizmo on the back of their cars and gizmo and don't don't get me wrong i love gizmo he's really really cute but like i feel like there was there's that minion cynicism would drive the film if it was made now but didn't that already happen what do you mean well that's what furbies are oh god every time i bring up gizmo people go oh it's furby they don't look nothing alike yeah, but like I, I thought that was the point of the bit at the end where the um, the what the what's his face? Oh, he like wants the, to make the, it into a toy. The, yeah, and I thought that was like referencing the fact that that already happened, and they're just Furbies. I don't know. I mean, uh, well, I know, I, I think, I no, I think, I think it's referencing the own like the movie's ironic merchandisability. You know. Okay. Um. All right. That that guy's. Also an odd presence, like a very, yeah. very clear Donald Trump allegory. That was interesting to see on a modern viewing. Oh, you yeah. didn't pick up I, his I, main. His name's Mr. Clamp. Oh, really? yeah, and he's got oh, like this sweat back yeah. hair, and he's got like his name on everything, and it's like this tacky '80s 
hyper commercialism. I I was sort of going with like a Howard Hughes style of person. It, Howard say, Hughes in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, good point. There's definitely Fuck, it's definitely yeah, Donald Trump. Really, a do- like yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really bizarre on yeah. it in a modern viewing. Like, because it's it's taking place in the eighties where you know he was still just this character, and you could you mm. could do that, and it's just interesting to watch him be a good guy. Yeah. Like, be like be made. Fun. I was like, okay, what's the difference between Trump and this actual guy? Like, well, this guy cares marginally for the people around him, and also I think I feel like if it was actual Donald Trump, he'd try to team up with the Gremlins or appeal to them. <laughs> he'd, I don't know. He'd he'd get them off somehow. Is is Steve Bannon a smart gremlin? <laughs> oh no, that smart! Did you see how smart that gremlin was? That I, that gremlin was so. I I was intellectually intimidated by that guy. I I want to like um, I, I see, like so the Keen Peel sketch about Gremlins Two is brilliant, but like the best thing about it is just how it is through summarizing Gremlins it Gremlins Two, it it reveals how absurd. Yeah, you were making you <laughs> like, really like think a, about it, like, um, yeah, structurally what, for a moment. Like, his line is like, "Oh yeah, we're just smart gremlin." Yeah, it was like, "Oh, you mean like a smarty pants gremlin, like a, like a gremlin <laughs> wearing glasses, ass wearing gremlin, singing my way style of gremlin?" Yeah, it's like that all happens. Oh yeah, <laughs> why? Also, the accent on that thing is weird because it's it's obviously going for oh. this like weird intellectual British sound, but the actor who voices him comes off more Australian surfer. I think I think that's a I think that's an intellectual New York accent. I think that's what it sounded like. Super for. like it's like New Yorker, Airhead California accent. or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, you know, there's 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 a flasher gremlin. I don't I don't know what he has to flash. Or like, did he drink something, or is he just a flasher? <laughs> <laughs> I think that is he just a pervert. He's just a, I mean, um, they're all perverts. Don't get me wrong, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I like watching it kind of role-playing an audience member who was genuinely troubled by the mischief the gremlins are causing. Like, you're supposed to be very emotional. Like, those fuck, those pricks! <laughs> those fucking gremlins! <laughs> but like, it's like when we watched um, Deep Blue Sea and we got genuinely angry at the sharks. Yeah. You bastards! <laughs> you ate LL Cool J's parrot! <laughs> but like, the... And then there's choices like the the lady gremlin, who's th- which might be the most overt gender binary essentialism I've ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's the Smurfette principle, and then there's that. Then there's like, yeah. oh, the girl one is all done in like sex sexy makeup, and there's it's like the sexy seductive saxophone music playing over <laughs> with a short skirt and and boots, and he and she's going to. Attack sexually attack this bad guy character who's then going to come around to it and presumably be in love with her at the end of the movie. Uh, That's literally the last thing that happens. This me- I know the, the last the last shot in Gremlins Two. Think about it like this: the last shot in Gremlins Two is this strangely long held take on a man's face as he contemplates and eventually <laughs> deems a good idea. Sex with a Kremlin. That's the that's the last thing the film leaves you with. <laughs> I mean, they have a full of relationship by the end of that film. I know, and it's it's a it's surprisingly like a good moment of acting. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, how, to, to be fair, that's an emotion no human has faced with. 
<laughs> Usually, if you want to have sex with a gremlin, you've known that for a long time. You've known that from the start. <laughs> but there's a bit of conflict in this man as he <laughs> watches this makeup, disgusting monster leer at him. <laughs> and he goes, no, this isn't... Well, not just leer at him. Walk towards him wearing a Oh, no, yeah, dress. yeah, proposing marriage. Yeah, it's even, it's an even bigger deal than that. And you see in his face this initial disgust, this initial, like, I... I couldn't possibly know, and then, huh? Like it doesn't really show what sways him. It's clearly been in him all along. This this unspoken attraction to gremlins <laughs> that he didn't know existed <laughs> the day before. Uh, <laughs> all well, right. I I get I guess I guess he got to live his best life. Yeah, I that guy lived hard. Um. All right. All right well, let's turn so let's turn this around. Okay. And, so how and save the franchise. Mm-hmm. All right, Gremlins. I, I, do we need to save it? This is like an important distinction. Like, are you? Because uh, I, uh, I asked for like an explicit sequel to Gremlins Two, so we're not like returning to the Gremlins universe. The um, we're not returning to the original universe of Blake Gremlins One. We're not forgetting Gremlins no. Two. We are doubling down on the existence of Gremlins am, Two and cementing right. it in the. Canon. I am using characters and concepts from Gremlins Two in a vastly different setting. Okay, All right. cool, cool. So, the initial appeal of Gremlins in my mind is uh, you need you need you need you need Gremlins. Let's not be si- let's mm-hmm. not be silly. I'm not going that bold. You need Gremlins. Yeah. You need a place for the Gremlins to fuck up. Okay. And in cool. each film that uh, that kind of escalates, you know. So you got you got this like suburban quiet town in the first one. The Gremlins just go through, mm-hmm. tear up, cause all kinds of mischief. Second one, you go a bit bigger. You've got an office block. Not just an office block, but this big combined uh, uh, shopping mall slash genetic laboratory. Just all all sorts. (laughs) It it gets bigger. The stakes get bigger. Mm -hmm. So naturally, Gremlins 3 opens in North Korea. Okay. Well, not North Korea, but the the closest fictional approximation that won't offend anyone, you know? All right. In, in the same I in mean, the same way that the guy in Gremlins two definitely isn't Donald Trump, this definitely isn't North Korea. Okay, but it's got right. the same vibes. <laughs> we're we're starting with like with a tone of of uh, of foreboding of um of of potential world disaster any moment, and this this despot leader, awesome. this this dictator, watches his 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 fiftieth failed missile that that year, and mm-hmm. is exhausting his his propaganda means. Um. Mm-hmm. And upon mounting pressure from foreign powers, he decides to concede to something that's being proposed called Peace Day, where delegates from his country will go to this big organization in a certain, uh, in a designated area and agree to nuclear disarmament. Huge, huge move for the entire world. It's going to be incredible. Mm -hmm. But. His head of secret police is not happy, outraged, in mm. fact, that he's about to see the, the end of his glorious nation. And mm. so a shadowy figure says, well, you want to you want to save save the glory of our country, don't you? You want to you want to preserve our, 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 our reign. Uh, why don't you come with me? So he follows this guy, this secret police guy. He's uh, he, he, he's, he's on the down low. He, he's he's under the radar of the man he works for. So it's almost like mm. a, the, 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 the makings of a coup d'etat. Uh, mm-hmm. And this man leads him to uh, a, a, ha- a hut in the woods. Mm-hmm. And in this hut <laughs> is, is, a, is an old, wi- wizened Asian man 
bear in mind, still already taking place in Asia. <laughs> so he looks around. It's like this little looks a bit racist, and um, <laughs> and he and, and and he says, "Oh, I have uh, I have uh, trinkets and wares and treasures from 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 far off in the Orient." This uh, f- can, can they be from far off in the Occident? Can, can what, he can like wait, 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 wait. Western selling, shit. He's selling like old Buzz Lightyear toys or something. <laughs> yeah. But then, <laughs> all right. Then he says, "Oh, but but it's all crap to you. I'll send us. I'll, I'll give you something that's uh, something something that's it's unequivocally Asian. That's gonna 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 get you what you want." And he plonks on the desk, Gizmo, in a little cage. Ooh. Similar opening to the to the second one. And this guy's like, what, what, what are you giving me this for? This is this cute little, what is it, a Furby? Oh, yeah, he's got loads of Furbies, so it makes sense. Uh, he goes, what is, would you give me this, a Furby? What? And he, and he goes, just, just take it with you. And he, and, he, and he does this, like, cruel, foreboding laugh. Ah, and then, and then, and then we cut. Cut to Peace Day. Peace Day. On, a, on, on, on an island, on a, on, a, on a nuclear weapon silo come resort. And it was like America's biggest secret stash of of, of nuclear missiles um, that they are be- being open about. And who's who who's made all this progress to actually achieve nuclear disarmament on an international scale? Why it's President Clamp from Gremlins <laughs> Two, um, and he cool. and his assistant Billy, <laughs> <laughs> and they're very they're very nervous. On this day, he's like he's he's like sweating, telling Billy to go, like get get him his his what's what's American his Budweiser I don't know, um, um and there's all his coke. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll have lots of funny scenes of um of President Clamp and Billy messing up you know the the cultural um cultural pretense of 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 the niceties for for these other nations so you know like the, the the japanese prime minister is there and they'll 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 bow a bit too hard and knock something over and <laughs> it'll be great <laughs> uh, and then you know this uh this weird the, the like hey, hey pete don't don't like act like you're above that kind of humor you <laughs> hey, fucking hey, i've got to i've got <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of it right <laughs> and and you know there's people from all nations you know uh so very very diverse Lots of uh, of different cultural customs ready to kind of mingle, and then the mm-hmm. the, the men from this like creepy North Korea sur- surrogate turn up, uh, and the, the 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 emperor of this place says, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that we can work together and achieve world peace, and this this thing's gonna there's gonna be like a symbolic um, neutering of the of these weapons here. That's what's good. That's what the whole thing is for. This big party, and they say as a mm-hmm. as a gesture of uh, of goodwill. From our nation to yours, we give you one of our one of, one of our native species, and it's Gizmo. Hmm. And obviously, Billy is like, "Wow, Gizmo, I lost you like thirty years ago in a in a way that we're not going to clarify." But great, you're back, <laughs> wonderful. And then everyone, uh, it's all it's all happy for a while, and uh, and all and they they deactivate the first bomb, all all, all <laughs> together, and there's a big celebration, uh, drinking, music, fun champagne and someone sprays a bit too much champagne and it gets all over gizmo oh no and then you can see on on billy's face there's like this crash zoom and he goes oh fuck he literally said you know this (laughs) we're assuming the gremlins audience has grown up enough 
so they're okay to hear some crap for, 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 for Billy. He's like, what, 55 now, probably? Going, oh, fuck. He's still, he's still like a nebbish, like, awkward, geeky teen at heart. Um, and so, yeah, we get a bunch of gremlin eggs. Oh, no. Uh, and, and they hatch, and because it's like as a buffet, uh, there's uh, these little gremlins are going to move around and start eating. And there's a big scene where Billy goes, everyone eat the food before the gremlins can eat it. <laughs> and there's bits of people just stuffing their face. Whoever played that 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 gluttonous woman in your mask movie, she's in it, just stuffing her. That's her <laughs> thing now. People just eating, but it's not enough. These gremlins, they tuck into like a nice banana souffle because everyone knows the rules of gremlins now. Um, okay. Except for the North Korean men because they haven't... <laughs> They have state media. <laughs> they don't remember. Well, okay, okay, okay. Here's a point. Have is this because everyone has seen Gremlins one, which canonically exists within the universe? <laughs> They've seen Gremlins. Gremlins one and two. Let's not be silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they eat after midnight, and they start yeah. cocooning, and then before before you know it, these fucking Gremlins, these oh. these bastards. They they literally said these bastards. <laughs> They're, just, they're, they're really hateful of them. No one, no one's giving them a break. Are just running amok in a nuclear weapons silo, no doubt. Um, okay. And then, yeah, but you know, but Pete, that doesn't sound like it's good. It doesn't, does it? But before, but, but before <laughs> we raise the stakes too much, there's always space for a yeah. bit of comedy. So we've got like the gremlins bothering world leaders from all over the world. <laughs> you know, they're like pulling people's noses. There's like, I don't, I don't know, the the, the German ambassador who's like. Uh, wearing lederhosen and, and has a big glass of beer. They're like pulling his mustache off, and he goes, "Ach du Scheiße, Monster!" And then, um, and then, and then you know they're they're like jumping. There's a guy with a turban, and there's a gremlin like unraveling it and stuff. This is not, you know, this is this is not my sense of humor, but you know, we've we've got to, we've got to depict these things realistically. And the gremlin's bothering everyone, causing everyone havoc. And what do they do? They only get into... They, they only access the launch codes from President Clamp, who's written them down somewhere. And they start... They, 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 looch, they launch a nuke mm -hmm. uh, into the sea. Uh, and, and, and Billy goes up and he looks through his, uh, his, his telescope, <laughs> his, his old-timey pirate telescope, at, mm -hmm. at the nuke, and there's a gremlin riding it. And he's going, oh, what if we can, uh, what if we can, dis this will destroy them. But then, you know, it goes off, boom, in the middle of the sea, horrible, big, like, bikini atoll explosion. Um, and you know what radiation means. Oh, no. Radiation only. It only fucking makes things bigger, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, before long, we've got a kaiju gremlin that's going to, like, start moving towards the nearest city. And all the <laughs> other gremlins, they're delighted. They think this is hilarious. This, this is actually something I'm a bit confused about with, with what Gremlins 2 brought up. Are, there, are Gremlins, like, reincarnated, or are they, like, a hive mind or something? Because they come from Gizmo. Gizmo's, like, their mother, in a weird way. And the second they're born, they know his name, and they, like, mm. th they like want to get revenge on him. So are they... I, I, I had, like, two internal theories. One was that, like, Gizmo is, like, a sort of legendary primogenitor. So, like, when they pop out of gizmo they just know him or something um and the other one is that like um is we're talking a sort of like race memory sort of thing they all have the same memory right and like 
like and like Gizmo, um, like back in the dawns of time, like Gizmo betrayed the Gremlins. <laughs> he's the only. Good yeah, one. all right. There's a there's a very maybe too long flashback explaining all this in Gremlins three. Uh, um, can it be like uh, actually? Can it be a bit like the um, uh, the Dark Souls opening, where <laughs> it's like and like Gizmo is like playing the role of Seath the Scaleless. <laughs> Yes, it's all very somber. <laughs> in the in the beginning, there was only fog and gremlins, right? <laughs> um, so 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 the, the the spiky gremlin with the and, and, and you know the the emperor of this of this despot nation is horrified that he's he's he's, mm-hmm. that he's messed up his chance at world peace. Everyone everyone is just crying openly mm-hmm. <laughs> that there are nukes now in the sky, and even this secret police guy is. Um, is a bit appalled. He goes. He goes. This is a bit much. <laughs> um, and then the the spiky mohawk gremlin, aka the worst one, yeah, yeah launches yeah. every ev- every nuke they have in every direction at every major city. Each one with a gremlin riding it. And you know what they're like. They're gonna be like ah, like while they're riding a nuke. It'll be a very profound yeah. image. Um, and and Billy goes. Well, don't worry. Um. The, the the nukes won't won't reach their targets until dawn, and then when it's dawn, the gremlins will be destroyed. So the sun comes up, and every every gremlin riding a right riding a, a a nuke gets exploded, and all all the gremlins mm-hmm. causing causing trouble on this island get exploded, and they think it's fine. But there's nukes heading for all the world's major cities. That's that's not good. There's mm-hmm. also a kaiju gremlin who's so super modified that sunlight doesn't even hurt him. So what we're gonna do? Uh, well, the secret police guy and his emperor friend they say maybe we should be open about some of the technology we've uh, we've been trying to sneak under the under the radar, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that one of this country's darkest secrets is that they were actually developing uh, a, a secret means of hacking missiles. It's just, it's like it's like very high high end like Metal Gear espionage level we're talking. Okay. Um, okay. And they, they, they open up to the rest of the nations and they and they they forsake themselves and apologize for this shameful evil weapon. But right now this could be all their their only hope. And they propose to hack every missile in the air and focus it on this kaiju gremlin. But they go, but wait, that'll only make him bigger. And they say, where we come from, <laughs> thing if things get big, they pop, don't they? And so that's what we're thinking. We're thinking of of, of hacking every. Oh, no, and Gizmo does the hacking because that because that's really cute. Okay. He'll be cool. like, oh, he's weeding. He's he's wielding machines of death, isn't it beautiful? And then, <laughs> and then every, every every missile in the air circles around in this big amazing thing, and then they all pound onto this kaiju gremlin that's walking towards the the facility, and he goes and gets like a million nukes in its face. Mm-hmm. And then it starts laughing because the smoke clears and it's just getting bigger. It's only getting bigger to like anime degrees. Like this is ridiculous. It's like half the size of a continent at a certain point. But he was right. They went so far that it goes up into space and it cannot breathe. Uh, and because, you know, when you go into space, like raw space, you you explode, obviously. Yeah. So we get like basically something the size of France just like exploding over the atmosphere and, and, and green gremlin goo uh, uh, 
creates like a, a, a cloud over the entire Americas, and it begins raining gremlin bits, and okay. and it's beautiful. People are partying in the street. It's it's like it's like V Day. People are just like having street parties, just basking in this gremlin goo. We're rid of them. We're rid of them. They say. And then, and then upon congratulating this uh, this new country upon their honesty, President Clamp turns to <laughs> all the world leaders, and while covered in gremlin goo. Uh, declares world peace and then Billy puts Gizmo in a little bag and he goes hey, we're going home now <laughs> and, 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 he, and, and it's really cute <laughs> and he takes him away and the, and the credits roll <laughs> and world peace was achieved I really like that story <laughs> I, I really do um, part of me did hope that where you were going to go with it in the end was that um like you had the kaiju gremlin, and that the 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 North Korea analog was going to yeah, have like not, a secret enlarging ray. Oh, that would like turn Gizmo giant, oh. and then they like fight each other. Oh, bro, this is I, this is this is why it's worth doing more than one draft. Gremlins, <laughs> Gremlins two. Um, <laughs> Gremlins. <laughs> we've we've officially put more effort into writing this movie than in the two Gremlins two. Um. I also, I also wanted to like, I also wondered whether or not you were going to be um, bringing in female gremlin at all because, um, like, she is canonically the only survivor. <laughs> <laughs> she is the, uh, she is, she is a gremlin survivor of gremlins. She's really too. old now. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how, like, do gremlins age? What if, what if, what if she's like, I don't know, governor of like a really important state? And she's also been invited oh, there, and no one knows she's a gremlin. She's been in the human world so long that, like, when they go, oh, "How yeah. can we stop this thing?" and she goes, "I know," and they go, "Who are you?" And can can she just can she just go like, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yes, madam, yes, madam, <laughs> like, that that makes a lot of sense." Like, can she basically be uh, Sarah Palin? <laughs> she's, she's, Sarah, she's Sarah Palin. Let's let's just say it. <laughs> I like we've been, been uh, a very very mischievous week. Yeah, man. I I think this has been like, I I wonder whether or not we are. I I've been thinking. I've kept thinking like, ah, oh, should we be doing like these uh these films thematically? Should there be a thing? But I don't know. We 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 just tend to just keep finding themes. Yeah. it's whatever suits us regardless. best. Yeah. So with that, what have we got for next time, Brody? Oh yeah. So. I I did I ran through like a lot of different yeah I, I consulted my list. Um, I really need to make a list because I'm like I I'm I'm not this doesn't come as easily to me but I am sort of gearing up to this point of like oh what do I want to see Pete Weasley right. when I see Pete Weasley and I I have a remake desire for okay. you so like completely scrapping bring back from the board back from the drawing board I want to see like a complete remake I want you to remake Speed. Jeez, the, the classic Keanu Reeves, oh. um, and the other one. <laughs> Jesus Christ, my, um, Winona Ryder. Is it Winona Ryder? No, no it's Sandra it's Bullock. Sandra Bullock, the classic Keanu Reeves Sandra Bullock joint. Uh, speed. am I restricted? Like, does it have to be a bus again? No. Nope, okay. No, completely not. Res- completely unrestricted. You just have to remake Speed. Jeez. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a hard one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ! How? W- right. We're. I guess we're both doing car movies because. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I want you to. It's approaching Halloween. 
So we're going to do something mm-hmm. a bit not scary. De- de- almost, definitely not scary because I watched it. I, I almost want you to, uh, <coughs> to remake a Halloween speed. I'm not, that's not part of the thing, but as, as like a note, yeah. as like a, mm, Hallow- Halloween is in right now. It's <laughs> this remake of speed. Okay, I want you to, again, completely remake Spooky for the speed. modern era. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically what amounts to Gremlins but with cars. Stephen mm-hmm. King's directorial debut, Maximum Overdrive. What? Is that the one about a, a sentient lorry? It, it's about lots of sentient lorries. It's about machinery in general turning on man. Oh my you god! Need to wa- okay. You need to watch it, Brody. <laughs> is it is it Maximum Overdrive? Maximum Overdrive. I want you to. Oh shit! <laughs> um, to be fair, cool. I think I've actually given you an easy one though, because when I was watching it, I was like, if someone made this now with modern sensibilities, with like a larger budget and a bigger scale, it could be fantastic. Yeah, it would be it would okay. be that I mean, bit in Fast Eight with the with the zombie cars, but for an entire film. I I was just thinking I was just thinking oh man okay so like how do I like that will be my template. It is basically idea, a zombie then... movie with cars. <laughs> awesome. Right. Well, I look forward right. to hearing that. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> like I look forward to watching. Man, this is such a good vehicle oh. for just getting us to watch movies. That I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And so making long. it work. alright and with that I've been Peter Flynn and I've been Adam Brody thank you very much for listening to sequels and reboots goodbye goodbye